Welcome to episode one of the Riverbed Technical Podcast. We're the only podcast with a focus on network and application performance and visibility. We're going to move fast and still make sure you see or rather hear everything because we store all the packets. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Carroll, and I lead the technical evangelist team here at Riverbed. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Carroll on LinkedIn as well. Joining me are my partners in crime, Phil Gervasi and Vince Burke. Phil, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, everybody. My name is Phil Gervasi, and uh, you can also find me on Twitter at network underscore Phil and on LinkedIn. And I'm a technical evangelist here at Riverbed working on Brandon's team. Thanks, Phil. Vince, it's your turn. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, thanks, Brendan. Um, yeah, my name is Vince Burke. I'm the chief technology officer here at Riverbed. Um, I uh, I am uh, I came to Riverbed as a as a security um, CEO. Uh, we uh, we were acquired into the business. Um, I even going further back, probably going to date myself here. Uh, I have a PhD in in machine learning, and the funny thing <clears throat> about that is that that PhD I got when machine learning was not cool. So um, uh, that that puts me quite a few years. Uh, in um, so things I'm passionate about: uh, cloud networking, um, AI, ML, cybersecurity for sure. So happy to be here, uh, Brendan. Thanks, Vince. Well, clearly Vince is the smartest one out of all of us, so that's going to be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the best looking one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And at I'm least the most opinionated it. one there, Brendan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. So. Uh, Thanks for, for uh, joining, guys. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is our inaugural episode. I don't really like that word. It just kind of sounds funny to me, but I'll use it anyhow. So let's begin with this. Why in the world are we here, right? So we're here. We have a podcast, a vendor podcast, no doubt. Uh, and why do we need another podcast? Um, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. You know, we, I was thinking a lot about this and then I'll let, I'll let you guys chime in, but I was thinking about this and, uh, you know, yeah, we work for a vendor, but we've been in the networking industry for a long time. We've been in different roles for, you know, various roles throughout our careers. Uh, and at heart, I mean, that's what it is, right? We enjoy the technology. We enjoy, uh, seeing the, the progress that we've made in, in the industry and we have a lot to talk about in terms of what's happening in the industry, uh, where things are headed, what, what we've seen in the past and what we've learned from that. And so I think that's really where we're at is we have a lot of things we're passionate about. I'll let you guys share some of the things you're passionate about. But I mean, I've always been, you know, routing, switching, security, um, you know, so I mean, that's that's kind of been my background. Um, but I mean, cloud, I mean, performance, uh, you know, visibility. These are all things that are just super important. So I think we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. When you say I'm, I'm excited about cloud, right? Like everybody's yep. excited about cloud, cloud, cloud's happening, right? Brandon, but the, you know, yep. it has happened, you know, welcome to 2021 here. But I think that sort of when we, when we dig in, right, what are the opinions that, you know, what are the issues that are happening? What the forgotten apps, the things that I cannot load into the cloud, the hybrid cloud problems, the issue with where is my money going? How does it grow? How do I leave the cloud, right? So there's, you know, how do you even measure customer experience with the cloud when you're a, when you're a vendor, right? Making those choices, right? So cloud has solved a lot of problems, but it's introduced a whole new sort of set of problems. And I think that 
when we talk about cloud, those are sort of the subjects that I think, um, you know, are really worth digging into. Yeah, I agree. Because when you say cloud, that doesn't help, right? <laughs> and the same same thing goes goes for performance. Well, what does performance mean, right? And I, I know, Phil, you've got opinions about that. We'll probably touch on that today. You know, what does security mean? Well, we all care about security, but security is extremely broad sort of subject. And when you go to you go to um, um, the various conferences like RSA and the, uh, the the cybersecurity conference, there's like 800 vendors there. And when I walk around there, the question always is, do I need do I need one? Do I need all 800? Do I need five of them? Right? How do I decide? Right? So, so when we talk about these sort of various issues, the way you make decisions and the way you think about it is really what what I think um, uh, should set our podcast series apart from the rest. Yeah, I mean, I've been a traditional network engineer for my entire career up until recently, really just in the trenches, dealing with packets, configuring routers and firewalls and switches and, and you know, a little wireless as well and security. And when it comes down to it, you know, I'm seeing this trend of increasing complexity, whether that be cloud or the introduction of, you know, overlays and, and things like that. And so the visibility portion, if I'm going to focus on that, whether that's in terms of security or just keeping the network running properly, troubleshooting issues, man, that's getting harder. You know, just just for um, for the past few years, I've been very interested in intent-based networking for whatever reason. It was something that caught my interest. And I went down that rabbit hole, followed some companies, got really excited about what they were doing. And then just in the past year or so, I'm seeing them pivot to use that technology that they developed to, you know, automate the network and, and do whatever kind of autonomous things that they can do to make it cool and intent based. And they're using that technology for really advanced visibility now. So clearly there's a trend to, okay, we got all this stuff going on, all these overlays, this incredible need for security. How do I, how do I manage this? How do I dig into the packets to fix those issues right away now that we're dealing with cloud now that performance is becoming that much more important because we have these overlays and we are working from home and working from anywhere and all that kind of thing and yeah i do have some opinions about that vince i mean what you're saying is or really what i'm asking you is do you think that performance really is relevant in 2021 i can get a gig at my i have 200 megs up and down but i can get a gig for like 80 bucks at my house right now you know i could just throw more more bandwidth at the problem, can I? Well, I figure I, I want to figure out where you're living because I need to move to that neighborhood. I'd like to have a gig of, mm. of. Uh, but so, so what your what your question really comes down to, Phil? There, you know, when we talk about visibility um, and why visibility is important, I think that, and I I want to I, I do want to treat that subject uh, in all fairness, but I want to dig down or double click really on that that subject of complexity, right? And I think that that is the root of where um, where the need for visibility is coming from. I'm going to give you an example, but the first thing I want to do is I want to take you down the rabbit hole of complexity in computer systems. So when I, when I first started programming, it was on an 8088 processor, an old IBM, right? Like this was a was an eight, and it was technically a 16-bit processor, but it had an eight-bit bus that was multiplexed um, because then you didn't have to have as many pins on the package. The 8086 was the one that had a proper 16-bit uh, bus on the outside. And programming assembly was in those days. I was already amazed by the complexity of the processor, right? But you still had to figure out where in memory am I placing things, right? Where. Um, where am I loading? How am I hooking into hardware? Right. So the the uh, 
the difficulty, of course, with that was is that, well, it took a long time to write a computer program that did anything meaningful. And um, you certainly had to be extremely careful if you were going to run two computer programs at once or use a driver for a sound card, right? And I, you know, I don't even think either of you guys remember those days, but, you know, then these ideas of maybe we can do memory segmentation and paging so that the programmer doesn't have to worry about where the program is loaded, right? Higher level languages made it easier. Um, operating systems started offering more and more abstraction. Uh, now, I'm talking still 30 years ago, right? Maybe longer. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And at that point, operating systems were starting, you know, the Unix operating systems were starting to appear complex, right? We started to get into questions of memory segmentation. Well, what does that mean in terms of security? Okay, we got to make sure users can't read and muck about with each other's memory pages if we're going, right? And so this added layer of convenience by using paging in the operating system and memory segmentation led to the subsequent question, okay, if I can now run two computer programs on the same computer at once, do I need to make sure that they're not going to muck about with each other, right? So now that that added layer of complexity removed a problem, but it introduced a new problem. It introduced a problem of how do we keep users from messing with each other's data. Um, now we're 35 years on, Phil, and, and we have solved many, many problems in computing and in networking by building additional abstraction layers, right? So, so when I say complexity, that is what I'm talking about. I mean, the first time I did TCP IP, I was at a point where I could craft my own packets and put them on the wire and a network cart was very happy with it and everybody understood what that protocol was supposed to do, right? Half the TCP uh, P flags didn't even exist yet back then. Um, but as networks grew and were used for different purposes, additional protocols were crafted, protocols got more efficient, we could have a yet another layer of abstraction through TLS so that we could all now start encrypting without having to do any extra work, right? We didn't have to come up with our own um, encryptions anymore. Um, that made that all easier, except that there were good implementations. There were bad implementations, right? So, so the point is, is that I can keep going on and on until software-defined networking, containerization, right? So all these things are adding additional layers into the complexity chain and we we work under the assumption that all the underlying layers are a rock solid right there's no um there's no issues with them they work exactly but i'll i want to i want to sort of point out how every time you add an abstraction layer you do that because you're solving a problem now this problem that you're solving is probably going to have some trade-offs right when i decide that um TCP is going to be my protocol by which I uh, am going to transmit my stream of data. I am also implicitly accepting the congestion control mechanisms and the window sizing algorithms. And I'm going to implicitly accept some design decisions that were made in that abstraction layer. Now, every time a design decision is made, the designer tries to optimize for something. They try to optimize for what they believe is going to be the common use case of their specific abstraction layer. Now, looking at 2021, we look back down that stack all the way from when, when Vince was typing in, um, working with the four registers he had available on the 8088, all the way to today where we have um, complete software-defined network. Most people don't even understand um, wh which 
path data takes from your phone to an application, when you're monitoring your home camera, which server that runs over, right? Like all these things have become so far abstracted. There's so many layers that we've been building on top of each other is we haven't really gotten rid of them, right? Mm -hmm. right. You know, how do I understand when something breaks, where the bottleneck is, right? And so, Phil, I'm going to give it back to you here in just a second um, for you to to elaborate or think about that, right? But but that is what I mean by complexity. When you add complexity, you're optimizing every layer. You're optimizing for what you at that point believe to be the common case. Now, that may not be ideal. Not only that, it may introduce a bottleneck for your specific use case. And we're going to get into this in a second. And when you have bottlenecks, that means performance goes down or security is compromised. And resolving that issue means unraveling that complexity stack. Do you understand sort of how I see complexity now? I think so. Let me read that back to you. So what you're saying is that over the past 35 years, and you did sort of implicitly admit that you're 147 years old. Hey. Uh, or you started in computing when you were three days old, one or the other. I think I was. Um, I think I was eight. You were eight. Oh well, that's still very commendable. Um, I was watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was eight. But anyway, what you're saying as far as complexity is over the past thirty-five years or so in computing as a whole, and we're talking in generalizations. I know we've developed solutions uh, to problems that have added layers of complexity here and there in different parts of the technology realm and different parts of computing. Uh, the result of which is today's complex network of, you know, hybrid cloud and, uh, uh, you know, overlays in the in the data center and, you know, various technologies all interoperating together. That has opened the door for performance issues because we're, the trade-off between complexity and then, you know, having, a, I don't know, disk contention on servers and things like that. And, um, but also opened up uh, for the ability for more attack vectors on the network, things like that. Um, and therein lies the problem with complexity. It's a double-edged sword where we need it to solve the problems, but then it adversely affects our ability to run networks really well, both from a security and performance perspective. Is that about right? Yeah, and I think that that once we start admitting to ourselves that we have every step of the way built upon the layers that were that came before us. Yeah, because yeah, right, true, true, right. Like that's yeah. that's what. I, comes down to what we're effectively doing is we're we're building a complex system. Okay, that sounds obvious, but that's actually a technical term, and it defines um, it defines why visibility um, is so key here, right? So so yeah. think about one of those layers somewhere in the middle, having uh, you know maybe it's a simple hash table. This hash table was optimized um, to run in the memory of a normal computer and it, you know, can have a, I don't know, a million entries. Um, but, you know, obviously the hashing algorithm is key in making sure that that ha hash table isn't going to act like a linked list. Now, the moment that my hashing algorithm perhaps isn't so good for the data I'm putting in right now, and the hash table starts to perform really poorly. Now, how do I know which part and which, which, which layer in this complexity puzzle, um, uh, is giving me the performance trouble. Now, you might say, it's like, look, okay, there's one part that isn't working so well, and you might have trouble diagnosing it. Who cares? Well, here's where complex systems or how complex systems are defined. A minor change 
in one of the parts of a complex system can have a devastating knock-on effect on other parts of the system that were relying on a particular performance envelope. Yeah. Right. So do you understand? Do you know this is sort of like the butterfly effect, right? Does that make sense? Exactly what I was thinking. Yep. The same term. Sure. So, so when you consider it, you know, everything that, that you've talked about here, you know, Phil asked, is performance still relevant because he talked about bandwidth. And I think that's a, a, misconception. A lot of people have, I'll throw more bandwidth at the problem because we're in a connected world, right? I mean, you could go all the mm-hmm. way back to talking about the 8080 and doing things uh, on your own and, you know, just, just computing and then building abstraction layers on that. We've also done that with networking, right? We've built layers upon layers. And, and so is performance relevant? Well, yeah, I think Vince, you've got a clear case that, that it is relevant because of how we have progressed through these different iterations of of I, this protocol on top of that protocol on top of that. So, yeah, we we need performance. So that's important. And then I can see that real clear tie into the visibility. You keep mentioning that visibility because you you need visibility for a, a few reasons, right? You need visibility so that you can spot those performance issues. So, so I want to take that one step deeper there, though, Brennan, but spotting yeah. the performance issue is, is co- sort of like saying, like, my car won't make it up to 50 miles an hour, right? Like, everybody can see the, the, the knock-on effect, right? So yeah. what is the answer? Well, let's put a bigger engine in it. Well, of course I could put... And, and look, I'm all in favor of a bigger engine anytime, right? More bandwidth anytime. The, the thing is, is that, yeah... Perhaps now the car will make it up to 100 miles an hour, but I haven't actually addressed the root cause. Now, why is this important? Um, Obviously, if the failure mode of the piece of my complex system is um, linear, meaning it gets progressively worse, a little bit more worse as I put more load on it and a little bit more worse, right? As I get deeper and deeper into the failure mode, that's probably fine. But the funny thing is, is most parts and pieces of the complex system we've created in computers and computer networking. And don't forget, computer networking is just computers, Brandon, because a router just runs an operating system and has the same memory segmentation issues. And yeah, there's ASICs, but they're still just um, gates that are arranged in in a slightly more efficient fashion, right? Most of the failure modes of the complex systems we've created are not linear, but are exponential, meaning that I go beyond its its ideal performance envelope of that part of the complex system, and it gets X times worse. I go 10% further, now it's two X as bad. I go 10 times further, 10% further, and it gets four X as bad, right? So we see an exponential degradation of performance of individual parts of this complex system. So what does that, what does that mean, right? What that means is, how big of an engine do I need to drop into this thing that still has the brakes on to make sure it keeps on going, right? I'm probably get there with bandwidth and I am probably get there with CPU time, but it's a problem of efficiency. So why is visibility matter? And why does telemetry collection matter, right? And I'll stay in the car analogy here just in a second. Um, 
It matters because it helps you figure out where your bottleneck lies, where in that stack, where in that pile the bottleneck is. And some parts and pieces of that complexity stack will be super well vetted and won't have an issue. And there's parts and pieces which are not, right? And I'm going to explain that. I'm going to explain that later. But let's get back to that car analogy. As we made cars more fuel efficient, we needed more complex technology to route emissions gas, put turbochargers in. Okay, I put a turbocharger in. Now I don't have vacuum sometimes. So the vacuum operated parts of the engine now need a vacuum pump. That vacuum pump's going to run off the crank. Like you see sort of how this happens. Every time you add a hose, every time you add a piece of hydraulics, every time you add another path for the air to run or just your windows to open, you're adding a slight layer of complexity to solve a problem or an inconvenience that the that the additional, um, uh, you know, th- that yeah, right. So, as you uh, as you did as we did that, what did car makers do? It becomes harder to troubleshoot when the thing doesn't work right. Yeah, I, I want to add something else to that though, and I'm going to stick with your car analogy, right? Because there's a lot of pieces to a car, and like you're talking visibility, and it's been really centered around performance, but. When I think about a car, that car's got locks on the door. That car has a windshield to give the driver a little bit of security against anything that's flying through the air as they're driving 60 miles an hour down the road. Um, and those are all, you know, that that's security to the person sitting in the car. When it comes to visibility, I think that, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about performance and why we need visibility f- to to look at these performance issues and troubleshoot. But security is a big piece of this too, isn't it? So, so security is a um, is a is a fickle beast. Security is necessarily something that you cannot do as an afterthought because it needs to be designed into the system, right? Like when I started building page tables and I said I need memory se- separation between two running processes, that had to be a fundamental feature of the CPU processor that couldn't really stand alone from the memory page table, right? That that allowed me to write position independent code, right? So the same thing kind of goes hand in hand with building more complex networks, building complex computer programs, building services that are based on lots of microservices that can each scale individually. If I try to do security as an afterthought, essentially what I'm doing is I'm trying to build a wall around my um, about, around my complex system that I have on the inside of it when I built that wall, right, and I'm not just talking about a firewall, but I'm, when I try to do security as an afterthought, I need to understand exactly what are okay ways for the system inside of it to work and what are not okay ways for the system inside of it to work. As the system has become more complex, the okay versus not okay has become equally more complex. That's yeah. why baking security in at each and every individual level is very important because the smaller pieces of my complex system, they have slightly better, uh, easier to understand um, okay operating modes and not okay operating modes. So if I bake security in at each individual piece of my complex system, it is slightly easier to define it and it's slightly more resilient to things I haven't thought about the system as a whole being in an okay state versus a failure state from a security perspective. Does that make sense? Yep. 
Yeah, sounds yeah, like you absolutely. mean, yeah, and it sounds like you're saying it's not just baking in the security at each, uh, you know, atomic level, but it's also having the the really granular visibility down to that level as well. So you can see things in their isolated components. Am I right? Yeah. So, so my opinion on on visibility mm -hmm. is just just that, right? Like if I um, if I bring visibility down through each of the individual components of a complex system, I gain an ability to troubleshoot which one is actually the the root cause of my failure mode. But I also right. gain the ability to say, hey, this one is not operating the way I'd, I'd, I'd like it. Right? So at, this, at that level, Phil, security mm -hmm. and performance are actually um, two sides of exactly the same coin, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's understanding yeah. what's going on at that level, whether it's in the context of securing what's going on or making it work more efficiently. Yeah, because yeah. you, you don't yeah. fundamentally care very much whether or not your network is clogged um, uh, you know, the, uh, with someone stealing all your data or whether your network isn't performing because you're dropping packets, yeah. right? You can't right. simply say, oh, I only want to know about the mode in which it's dropping packets because that's performance related. It's like, no, you also mm -hmm. care about it's not performant because someone is stealing all your data. It's simply security is a root cause of performance issues as well and vice versa. Yeah, this sounds like another level of visibility, though, beyond capturing some packets and some flows and then calling it a day and then seeing a pretty graph. Because well, that's, yeah. that's, you know, for the past 15 years, that's been what visibility has been mostly about, right? How yeah. pretty can I make this graph, which nobody ever logs into because it's next to useless? Yeah, we want to have a nice dashboard up in our knock that doesn't look really good on the yeah. anything. Yeah, sure, sure. No, the, dashboard, the dashboard there, Brandon, is good. If it if it's simply a matter of telling you that everything's okay, a dashboard helps you recognize that probably no action needs to be taken. What sets the 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 real troubleshooter, the real mechanic, apart from the guy that also ran, is saying, okay, now that it isn't operating the way it's supposed to, do I have the skills and the tools at hand to go find out where which part of my mm -hmm. complex system is in failure mode? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I, I you make me think. I I used to work for a, a telco, and we had a knock that looked at all our frame relay switches across the entire United States, and it was we had a nice, pretty dashboard. It was a big map and all these green dots on it. And you're right. If if it gives you good information, then it's a useful dashboard. And it reminds me of the time that we saw starting over in Florida. We saw everything start going yellow, and it was like this big yellow wave just across the map. And so, you know, looking deeper into it, I mean, that was the initial, oh boy, something's going on here. But then when we started looking into it, we find out, okay, well, it just so happens that we monitor our network with SNMP, right? So we've got all these routers out there that are, we're using SNMP for to keep track of whether these switches are still up. And all of these routers are in the same OSPF area. So OSPF reconverges and it takes everything down and we lose visibility for like 11 minutes or something across the US. That was good because that that gave us a good indicator that something was wrong real quick, but mm -hmm. you know, just seeing green dots doesn't do anything for me. Uh, uh you know, it's got to provide me with good information. So anyhow. I wonder if I wonder if you had AI and ML at that time if that would have solved all of your troubleshooting woes. What do you think about that, Vince? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, this uh, that the AI and ML is the the third rail um, uh, that you're trying to touch there. So, mm -hmm. AI and ML is no panacea. AI machine learning techniques are very very powerful. They're uh, in essence heuristical techniques that solve problems that deterministic techniques prior would have used. Um, uh, untenable amounts of resources for, um, but they are tools, just like the hash table I mentioned earlier, the linked list, the binary tree. Those were great tools in computer programming. They are still great tools in computer programming to get the job done. AI and ML techniques, and there's many, many, many of them, um, they get the job done for other particular types of problems. So what is really, really important to understand for everybody when we talk about AI and ML, is that there are areas where those algorithms do really well, are, are stunning, and then there is an enormous field where they simply don't do well. And that has to do because the problem isn't, the problem isn't right for it, the, um, the problem is too complex, it's too open-ended, and I, I think we should touch on that in a, in a future podcast at some point. My, yeah, quick, my quick answer, though, Phil, is yes, I think it could have helped, but I want to make sure we, we uh, put that in context at some point. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to expanding that fully or, or as full as we can in, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes in a future podcast, because that's something that, you know, we can really go down the rabbit hole on. Yep. So our, our time's sort of getting away from us here, but there are a lot of other things that we had listed out that we really want to talk about, right? We had things listed like um, migrations uh, to the cloud and where visibility comes into that. We'll obviously talk about that in depth in, in other episodes, enter uh, and intra cloud routing and, and multi-cloud. So there, I mean, there's just so many different aspects to this where visibility and performance really need to take a front seat position. And so it's it's going to be nice to be able to talk about that. But for today, that's all the time we have. We'll call it a wrap. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for uh, joining us for episode number one. We'll be back in a few weeks with another performance-packed episode where we store all the packets so you don't miss a thing. I'm Brandon Carroll. I'm Vince Burke. And I'm Phil Gervasi. And we'll see you next time.